Hi, this is uh, Sam Electric Ghost, and we have Christina Passion on the line. Hi, everyone. Hi. So, yeah, we're on the new platform. Uh, we used to be on Spearman. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah, but we moved over to this new um, podcast. It's a little awkward setting up, um, but once you get into it, it's it's pretty good platform. Yeah, it seems pretty user-friendly, so that's good. One of the cool things about this platform is it actually publishes to Spotify podcasts. Oh, cool. iTunes. It publishes to multiple um, Anchor itself. But there's like 10 different podcast apps that this publishes to. Wow, that's that's sufficient. That's great. So it gives you a lot bigger audience, um, potentially. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's kind of cool that way. And um yeah, so I I seen that you've been working hard and you've got your new song. Definitely. Uh, mm-hmm. No More Tears and you've got the video for it. Yeah. And so maybe you can kind of talk about like that and other projects that you're working on and you know, you know, the effort that you put into the song itself and the video. Yeah, for sure. So um I had actually worked on the song a while ago and it was supposed to be released um uh, almost 2 months ago, but uh there was some kind of speed bumps that we were hitting and uh, that kind of pushed and delayed the release. Um, but that's fine. Uh, now that it is released, uh, I've gotten pretty good feedback, um, especially on the video. Um, I wanted to incorporate, uh, because I am a dancer, I wanted to have kind of like a girl group vibe to it. Uh, very empowering because it is a more of like a, I guess, getting over a breakup song. Um, so that's kind of what the video displays and, um, yeah, I'm getting some pretty good feedback from it. So, yeah. Yeah. The video has this very assertive vibe that you're kind of taking charge. And I like, I like the, the, the kind of, the feel of the video is really Thank you know, you. powerful. I like the way that you, you, you are taking charge and you have this, uh, you know, a female group of dancers and you're very, you know, expressive, and I think it's it's really cool. It kind of accents what the song. Because if you were just listening to the song on Spotify, and you never saw the video, and then when you yeah. see the video, it kind of it complements you know what you're talking about. For sure, I think that's it's like that for a lot of music, especially in like if it's taken in a completely different connotation, if it's taken out of the box. But in this sense, it's pretty straightforward. If you listen to the song and then you see the video, it kind of matches. But uh, I think it's really cool when there's music out there and then you go see the video and, and it what you had thought what the video would have may may have looked like yeah. um, was taken into a different kind of um, bird's eye view, I guess, and, and a different connotation and, and made more into some abstract version of what the song means to the artist. Um, so I'm looking to do more kind of stuff like that moving forward. Um, this is more just like a a new break into pop because I think we were discussing earlier, I think the first ever podcast we did um, that I was trying to move more into kind of like alternative pop rather than heavy EDM music. Yeah. Um, so this was more of like a breakthrough and a summer hit, but moving forward, I, I kind of want to be uh, more involved in songwriting material and more abstract in that nature. Yeah, I know the last time we talked, you had had like a project, you had worked with a full band, and then then you weren't able to get them to continue to work, and you had this whole project that yeah. you had to kind of put on the shelf. Um, so is, is is this from that project, or is this something different that you did? This is not. Totally this is different? this is something completely different. Um, 
and I had worked with other people on this project. Um, and so, you know, I mean, again, everyone has their, their priorities and if it doesn't work out with who you're working with, then you just kind of have to make new relationships and find people who are on the same page as you. Yeah. I think that happens as musicians, you know, as artists, you, you, you collaborate with certain people, you, you, you work, you know, as far as you can mm-hmm. with certain people, or sometimes it doesn't work. Maybe you can put a lot of effort into it, to mm-hmm. a project and then suddenly it just like, you know, it doesn't go anywhere. And as a musician, yeah. like you take, I think a lot of musicians, you know, they'll take risks. They'll, they'll do something different. They'll go a different direction and not everything you do works, you know, and you, you exactly. know, it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing to do it because you just the act of, of, of doing something musically different or working with different people, whether it works or not, it's like it helps you in life to progress. Yeah, exactly. You know? It's a lesson to be learned, you know, and it helps you grow and it learn makes you learn about yourself and what you do like, what you don't like, and also get a feel for the type of people that you want to work for or work with rather. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, so maybe, um, maybe talk about like, like how you built the song and what you, what you, what took to actually do the song and maybe then talk about everything that went into the video. yeah so actually the song was written in like one day because it's not I mean lyrically yes it's empowering but it's not lyrically in depth like it's it's a pretty poppy song so it's it has a catchy chorus and that's pretty much all you really need to have a poppy song right there's no uh in-depth thing to it um it's not singer-songwriter like but um so it was it was easily uh written um and then also the production i had um i had uh purchased um the uh the full license for online and then i had uh producers kind of just mess around with it a bit add a little bit more guitar add a little bit more of a bass line um so that's where the song actually came from uh the track initially the instrumental um and then yeah, so then after it was finessed, um, you know, it was it was actually quite uh, productive, the process of the song, because, again, it was a more poppy song. I didn't need a full band. I didn't need, um, you know, to, to go into multiple writing sessions to complete it because it was a, a super poppy summer song and, and mm-hmm. not very lyrical in depth. So, um, yeah, once that was complete, it was just a matter of... Um, getting the vocals in right and uh, getting it mixed and mastered. And and uh, the track was actually ready for a while, but I had wanted to release it just a week prior to the video. So what speed bumps we kind of faced was actually when it came towards the video release, uh, which was partially my fault because, um, you know, I, I had hired someone that I thought, well, re- who also reassured who also assured me that the job would get done and it would get done well mm-hmm. but it actually wasn't really the case um there was a lot of issues I was having with the way that it was filmed um the the cuts in the video wasn't correct the editing was very off the color correction was off there was like my vocals were not matching properly uh oh. it was there's a lot of things that I was facing and and I of course like you know it's for me it's it's quality versus quantity i'm not just going to release a video just because it's done i would rather sit on it wait until it's perfected mm-hmm. um and then have it released so that's what really took the longest because this was actually supposed to be released um 
at the beginning of August. So, you know, it was postponed a month because of those uh, speed bumps. And I had to kind of find an editor that could do it their best to, um, I guess, make up the the faults in the original version that mm-hmm. was created. Um, for what it is, I think that it was it, it's pretty decent. I mean, I'm I'm a very picky person. I'm a perfectionist. I'm sure viewers, you know, as a, just an average viewer, would are still drawn to it, and they still I still got positive feedback. There are still a few things that I would have preferred to be done mm-hmm. even more um, to a T. However, you know, I mean, these things happen. It's a learning experience again, right? Same thing. Um, So, yeah. And then with the dancers, you know, um, they're great. They're, they're amazing. They're so talented. I had one of the, the backup dancers. She's actually the one who choreographed it. Uh, She's a good friend of mine as well. So that the rehearsal, um, we, you know, we all mesh as people pretty well. So it was fairly easy to get down the choreography and then it was just a matter of, you know, coordinating the attire and setting up a date, uh, which was also a little bit tricky because, you know, people's schedules and such. But other than that, um, you know, the final product I'm, I'm happy with. So, uh, yeah, that's, that was pretty much the buildup of the whole project. So where was it filmed? Where did you do um, all that, the dancing? Yeah, so a couple of different places. Uh so I had reached out to a few different places uh, via Instagram um, about kind of doing like a cross promotion, um, like a shout out on Instagram or something like that. And uh, this place called the Ballroom Bowl, which is a, a pretty known place like for bowling and it's a bar, but it's also a bowling or um, it's a bowling alley place. And then upstairs they have like a patio and stuff and uh, it's in downtown Toronto uh, in Canada. And, um, yeah, they, they're like, yeah, we would love, you know, for you to come in. So they were really accommodating that way. Uh, so we shot the, the, uh, we call it like the sexy heels part. So that's like the type of dance. Cause there's two different types of dances in the song, in the, in the video, we have a jazz funk, which is the first half. And then the second half, which is the sexy heels part. So that part was filmed there. Uh, and, uh, the first part were a couple different places. The, the, scenes where it's just myself uh again in toronto uh, a few different beaches there's a place called sugar beach uh, a few or kind of just walking throughout the streets and then the jazz funk part is uh filmed in a graffiti uh park that's located underneath uh, a main highway under the bridge and it's called um uh, the underpass mm-hmm. so that often videos are filmed there here in this area because uh, it's it really draws people's attention you know all the graffiti there's mirrors above on top of the the ceiling or underneath the bridge rather so it gives a cool reflection and uh yeah so I definitely wanted to have one of those places I felt it was really artsy and raw and kind of gave that good introduction to the to the first half of the song yeah, it kind of gave it kind of like a like a, like I don't know like a new wave kind of punky edge. Yeah, like, yeah, mm-hmm. the kind of excitement. Can they you see that a lot nowadays? Is the the electronic music? It's kind of taking things from the eighties. There's like a resurgence. Yes. of like eighties kind of pop electronic music. Not exactly EDM. It's more the new wave. You know, being mm-hmm. kind of brought back. I'm a big yeah. proponent of that being a synth player. You know, <laughs> but um. Yeah, exactly. Just, 
just because it's like to be able to you know write songs with full chords you know and, mm-hmm. and actually have the, the the intricacies of that um mm-hmm. it was kind of in the 80s it was the the, the birth of the polyphonic synthesizer which, right which which people didn't realize like the modes were only monophonic mm-hmm. and so he's going to play one note at a time but then when like the prophet five came out was mm-hmm. a big new wave instrument the roland jupiter eight you know the yamaha dx7s these instruments created that whole vibe Five, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that the people were able to use chords, and that's why you have that sound um, in the eighties. Is you have full chords being used on analog synthesizers. They had this really fat sound. That mm-hmm. you, they, somewhat what happened is they was too overpowering for some right. people, and they started to use synths and push them kind of in the back. But at the you know the height of the eighties, they had these synths that were very overpowering in the mix. Because analog synthesizers tend to be like that, um, and then producers mm-hmm. eventually kind of edited them out because they said, "Oh, they're too heavy," and they they wanted other things to be brought out. Um, but I think a lot of people are going back and finding that that sound from these analog synthesizers. Definitely, is, yeah. Is big, I mean, it's big, probably yeah. <laughs> no, no, for sure. I mean, it's probably not as you know dramatic and like as uh, emphasized as you were mentioning but it's definitely there in mainstream music kind of even if it's just like a uh, something in the background that's kind of like coming in and out or you know it's yeah. definitely used yeah yeah it's definitely like a big uh, you know for me as an as a electronic musician you know Moog finally put out a, a brand new polyphonic synthesizer the first time in 30 years it was the mm-hmm. last week and it's Crazy. a big deal yeah it's like an $8,000 instrument yeah <laughs> it, and, but but the significance is it's like we haven't seen an instrument like that since the Prophet Five or or the DX Seven or you know the Mini Moog itself. So I think in terms of music, when Moog comes out with something so big, uh, mm-hmm. the fact that they have this massive capability now to bring back that kind of sound at a quality level that people haven't heard, I think it's going to make people who are using the soft sense and the DAWs kind of think about. Um, the sound that you can get out of one of these new analog synths is, I think it's going to be in the next 10, 15 years, we're going to see a lot of artists using these to, to, to create like new things, like new mm-hmm. types of sounds. There'll be like the second like version of the new wave. It's not exactly yeah, EDMs. Because the, these it's... instruments are for composers. different yeah. people that know how to play. I mean, these are, yeah. you know, it's a totally different kind of concept. It's like, it's not what you do in the DAW. It's actually you have to have somebody like a Stevie Wonder or a Keith Emerson. Yeah, someone least, who's like classically trained. Yeah, play these things because they're full polyphonic sense. And this new one that just came out is actually, it has the ability to do three layers of chords. Crazy. Uh, at, all at once. And so that, wow. that gives you the ability for like people who have a classical background, people who are mm-hmm. really heavy composers can take advantage of that and do something yeah. at a level of sound quality we haven't heard since like the 80s um so yeah i'm i'm all, i'm super excited about stuff like that but <laughs> definitely yeah no i mean that's right up your alley you know yeah, yeah um so yeah i think it's great that the, you know the development of new equipment new technology and all that stuff could def- will be beneficial to everyone you know as a vocalist as you know um as a composer as a producer 100 percent yeah, this depends. Like I'm always talking to like you, you know different bands that I talk to, and a lot of a lot of the artists you know are trying to merge what you do on the DAW mm-hmm. with what you can do with like an acoustic instrument. So you know it, they're still kind of 
trying to bring back some of the old days of not that you have to go to a recording studio, but you know, adding an acoustic instrument and not just doing everything in a DAW, um, or or you know, looking at different you know collaborations with like jazz musicians or or mm-hmm. actual blues musicians and trying to bring things, merge things in. You see that a lot of this in hip hop, where you know, like Kendrick Lamar will have a live band and it, yeah, oh yeah, it, yeah, introduce like real bass players, you know, not just samples. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I think there's there's a lot of interest in people you know doing that today and there's all i love that yeah yeah the capability of of doing something all by yourself you know with fruity loops or fl Mm -hmm. studio or any of the dogs is is really cool but i think the ability to 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 actually have musicianship you know that we saw in the 70s and 60s is is always welcome (laughs) of course no that that's something that i think should be um more um looked up at upon you know like because it's so easy for people to kind of just work a a program nowadays I feel uh but I think it takes a really true artist to know it all or be more of a composer rather you know yeah because like when you go to perform today sometimes there are venues and you as an opportunity as an indie artist uh you know you have a lot of people just come in with their laptop with their sequence mm-hmm. their drum machine and there's yeah. there's no setting up there's no like having a band that actually has to do a sound check and then if you're actually a band you're kind of criticized that well, how come you're not coming in with a laptop and making it yeah in? right it's, you know? it's funny that way now yeah so it's kind of like you know don't you want to have a live performer <laughs> but you kind of like you can't you can't run 15 bands in one night if they all have to take down their drum sets <laughs> you know <laughs> um, yeah so- so it's like there's club owners want to push the, the DJs and the electronic musicians mm-hmm. and the people who have everything kind of pre-programmed because it's easier for them. Exactly. You know, to run run a, like 15 acts in one night, you know. Yeah, one after the other without yeah. having to, without, yeah, without know, having to change and yeah, bring no, the setup crew kind of, on. Yeah, that. there's no hesitation. There's no interruption. You can go boom, 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 you know. Exactly. Uh, but then sometimes you lose a little bit of what used to be uh, mm-hmm. in, in that kind of scenario. But, you know, we're always, uh, I'm always looking for venues that let me play live. Yeah. <laughs> in New York and stuff like that. So, yeah, are you going to be doing any, um, well, I can't, the question is, is like No More Tears part of a bigger project? Or is this the single that you were going to put uh, out? No, it's just the single. Like, I kind of just, again, I wanted to make a new kind of entrance into a pop genre. And then we'll be releasing another song called Climbing climbing a mountain uh november 1st um so those will be like my two singles and then i'm going to i'm debating if i should make the third one a single or part of the album that will be coming up after that Uh, most likely it'll be a single so once i release um so climbing the mountain and then after that there'll be a song called uh, dream catcher following that i plan to do an album and this album will be more singer songwriter performance friendly um not friendly but just more in my uh zone of performing i feel like with pop music and such you could perform it but it would have to be in its particular setting uh, with a particular audience like you couldn't go to like a lounge and perform pop music unless it was like on a a, an acoustic uh cover of it or uh you know what i mean so i the next the, the album i'm hoping will be more something that I can take and perform, um, you know, at, at more venues that will be susceptible to that kind of um, so with this vibe. Album, 
require like a full band to back you up or you can run it? Uh, no, I'm thinking it'll, it's going to be like they're all written. All these songs are already written. So right now I'm, I'm thinking more of like the indie chill pop. So maybe like a simple like drum pad with like uh, definitely piano, like just cool. mainly piano, maybe some a little bit of um, synths going on in the background, but very simplistic, and it's mm-hmm. more um, vocally led. Wow. So would you be playing the piano, or would you have someone else play the piano? You I am not a pianist. However, I did write the songs on piano. Um, like, I know the basics. Uh, like, I, you know, I, I could get by writing songs on the piano, but when it comes mm-hmm. to performing, I, mm-hmm. I'm just not... Okay, you'd rather be out lead the lead singer. Yeah, I, I, I feel like my instrument is um, my voice. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, maybe I'm not gifted enough, but I just, I, um, or maybe I, I just need to practice more. But um, when it comes to piano, I, I still don't consider myself a pianist. So I don't, well, you I kind of have feel to comfortable doing it. You have to be that singer songwriter that's confident enough in your piano playing that if your voice is your real instrument, yeah. And you feel that your voice, you know, actually won't get the full attention if you're trying to like struggle with the piano pieces because you're not exactly yeah you have to kind of be so comfortable with the piano that you can be like a carol king or something you know and be at Mm -hmm. the piano feel that confident that you could do it without somebody else doing it um exactly yeah and that's kind of like you know where you know i've talked to a lot of singers that feel like i gotta focus on the microphone just doing a performance and i'll let Mm -hmm. somebody else through the guitar or the piano or whatever yeah feeling that but yeah that's 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 cool you know who you are you know you know what you can yeah do. i mean like what i've also been kind of working with is uh like loopers and also just like the uh like mk like 13s and stuff like that oh, yeah. um or the Maca- or the akai 13 akai. rather yeah and, akai yeah awesome. yeah so i've kind of just been putting like the the keys on a loop and then just recording that in and then launching that as a single track and then layering and then learning to perform like that because then if ever I'm in a case where I have to be a solo band then I at least can launch the music in a way where it seems like it's being presented uh fluidly like a band word yeah the mpc is really good a lot of a lot of hip-hop guys use it a lot of mm-hmm. EDM, even synth black guys like me that have big stacks of synth find like the MPC is a really good tool. Like if you're yeah. a one person band, you're doing a performance, any kind of good sequencer that is like designed to do songs, you know, in that kind yeah. is really one of the preeminent systems. It was back big back in the day. Like hip hop guys used to use the original MPCs um, because mm-hmm. they build the whole song. And the new one pretty much does the same thing. Um, and mm-hmm. has even more capability. So, yeah, it's a really good tool. I mean, I, I've I've seen a lot of guys that are synth guys use it to kind of string, well, actually, you know, augment their synthesizers to be able to do like you know two person performances or one person performances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's for great that. for that. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely something that I'm really uh, working on. Yeah, I've seen that you had some photos of your studio in the last year, like your home studio and stuff you were putting together. So you do a lot of yeah. like home recording of using different tools and you're playing like your own, you know, you initially write a song maybe on your piano or use your tools mm-hmm. in your home studio and then you kind of work it out 
where you'd want to have people other people take it it, yeah exactly like I just I I record my vocals at home because it's it's built up enough to to do the raw vocals and then I just send them over to someone who does mix and mastering um and that's that's pretty much the flow of my work so like the writing and the recording is done at my house and then it's just sent off so you don't ever have to go into a studio and like redo your vocal because you, you've got your vocal in a pretty good position from your home. Studio. Yeah, I mean, not unless they want like something specific or they want some sort of layering done or they want, you know, something specific. Other than that, um, everything could be done pretty much from my my place. So yeah. Yeah, that's the big change in the recording industry where you used to have to go to like Olympia Studios or you had to go to Lucky yeah. Lady, you had to go to you know Sound City, you had to you know, in order to get a record out that you had. Yeah. I think it's really egalitarian that now artists can just, you know, have a home studio and at their level of quality, that's good enough to actually put out. Yeah. It's crazy. That's just a technology shift that lets a lot of people create a lot of music, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then it's like, you know, it maybe floods the market and makes it hard, but um, yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother conversation. (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole different thing. But um, yeah, definitely for people who, you know, truly um, do this, like, you know, as a career or is actually making some moves in it or has some success or is really even for people that are just like, you know, starting out, it's it's, it's great to have a studio at home. Yeah. Um, but definitely for people who are more in a professional demeanor, it makes your workflow just yeah. so much, so much more sufficient. I find like as, as as an artist that like, if you have the tools that you can go and put down something whenever it comes into your head, you know, mm-hmm. when when you have a creative moment that I don't have to go across town or go to another state to put an idea down. I can actually go into yeah. the studio and actually go so far that I could actually even put it out. Um, yeah, if, exactly. If I got dedicated enough and spent like like a full day or a couple of days doing it, I could actually do it. And um, mm-hmm. I think when you're if you're that kind of person, you you got the muse, you know, you, you feel these things coming through you and you just, you know, what you, you want a way to be able to put it out. And I, mm-hmm. think, I think the tools today allow you to do that, you know. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely been a drastic movement uh, and progression from how it was before. But there's definitely a place for recording engineers and people who know how to perfect things, you know, the mastering techniques of like a, a professional recording engineer. Oh, yeah, because I can't like I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't. My life depended on it. I could not do that. So definitely there's a place for people like that, because I think if you're good at, you know, one thing, you're good at that one thing. So, you know, God bless those people that are just like amazing at like numerous things <laughs> yeah. so but um yeah you know it, uh, it's good that's I think what connects artists together because you know I share something that you admire you share something that I admire so let's work together and yeah you know, I think that's what art is right yeah I mean collaboration is the big thing today and just the net allows you to have tools like you know anchor fm which we're using now mm-hmm. you know allows you know me to interview artists <clears throat> and and be able to get you know what i felt as, as a musician myself is like that i wasn't hearing a lot of interviews with indie artists where they were able to really get into depth about what yeah. they do you know there are interviews that want to talk about people's personal lives and whatever and right. know, i always want to talk about the song about, mm-hmm. about the music and mm-hmm. I wanted to hear 
people doing that without like charging people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And there was there's some people out there on the net that, that will charge people or they only interview really popular acts and uh, you know or don't you know have a wide enough you know, uh, you know group of people that they like to talk to. And mm-hmm. I just thought that I wanted to continue this because I I was actually you know approached. Uh, a couple of years back by a guy in New York City and we were just talking about like synth stuff and all we would talk about in the first iteration of my show is just like synths mm-hmm. and, and then I started to branch out to say well let's interview you know bands and artists mm-hmm. and actors and that's why we're here <laughs> doing yeah. this but yeah it just kind of went from being narrowly focused to only talking about electronic music to going and talking about like everything which, you know, it's been cool. We've talked to actors, you know, we've talked to, you know, DJs, we've talked to punk rock bands, like multiple genres, you know, multiple different things. Even artists that aren't even musicians are like painters and stuff. We, we like to talk to anybody that wants to get a platform for their work. Um, yeah, and that's great. And I appreciate, you know, the invite and you starting a community where we're able to share those, our thoughts and, um, you know, our journeys and experiences. Yeah, so what we can do on this podcast, we can put a link to No More Tears. We could actually sure, yeah. A, you have the, that video. Is that video on YouTube as well? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. We can put the link to the YouTube video and to Spotify and anywhere else that it is. Um, you know, attach it to this podcast when we publish. Which awesome, is, yeah. And we're that able to publish pretty quick. It'll probably be published tonight. Um, cool, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's really cool that you're so you're working on this new record. It's more singer songwriter mm-hmm. focused. So maybe kind mm-hmm. of describe like what kind of references it would points in terms of like if you were going to describe what your new album is going to be like, what other artists would you be inspired by that this album is kind of maybe would people would be familiar with what the direction you're going. Okay, uh, well, you know, the I mean, the newest single that's coming up, uh, Climbing the Mountain, I don't want to reveal too much about the album, but uh, Climbing the Mountain, I'd say is kind of like a, I guess, a uh, a Sia kind of feel Um, there's some parts where you know there's there's more of a vocal push Um, uh, it's still poppy though like I don't really like to say it sounds like this or it sounds like that it's more Mm. just the feeling but it sounds like me okay Um, uh, but the feeling is more like it's a liberating um, song but not so much uh, liberation like no more tears it's more like you fought together and now you're stronger. So mm. now you both feel liberated. So that's what Climbing the Mountain is, uh, is about. Um, and then I got another single that will be coming out afterwards. That's, uh, it's called Dreamcatcher. And uh, it's, it's kind of mystical. Uh, mm. Definitely gives you a, a fall feeling. Um, and it's about catching dreams. So, uh, yeah. So is they coming from kind of like the idea of like an indigenous, like Native American kind of concept of a dream catcher or a different type of vibe? Um, I guess you'll have to just wait and see. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you got at least some mystery when people hear it. But yeah, yeah, there's all different types of ways you could interpret that. But, you know, when you hear exactly. it, exactly, it'll be what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely. I'm, f- That's I'm awesome. hoping to do a video for that song and and that and as I was mentioning earlier in the podcast, how I love how there's so many different interpretations and uh, ways that you can 
you know, interpret the lyrics and how you envision it in your mind. And I kind of want to make a really abstract video for that. Uh, for that, yeah, song. there so was I'm excited about that. In the, back in the eighties, at the height of the, of the video movement, there was like the school of initial videos were just bands playing, you know, and they were themselves, you know, yeah. and, and they were just being filmed, you know, as promotional tools. And then people started bringing film directors. And mm-hmm. they started like reinterpreting things and making them not about the song at all. Exactly. You know, but it kind of is. <laughs> it's whatever the director felt yeah, the song exactly. was. But it wasn't mm-hmm. exactly what maybe the original intent of the artist was. Mm-hmm, but they mm-hmm. let them, the director kind of take a cut at it and they would come up with these very strange, like psychedelic or weird, yeah. you know, new wave kind of, you know. Experience. Yeah, you know, things that draw the people's attention in their eyes and. And make yeah. you remember that video. Make yeah, you even like the to, song yeah. even more. Yeah, like Duran Duran was big into, you know, oh, yeah, these like sure. music videos that were like very cinematic. And, and they mm-hmm. kind of, you know, they kind of followed the song content, but sometimes they were just weird kind of yeah. science fiction kind of stories. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's just like cool to see where you can go with that. So like having... Yeah, see- like I'm not sure I'll go like too far, but definitely um, in a, a more abstract than No More Tears, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I like abstract because I'm, you know, I'm a big David Bowie guy, you know, and he used to oh, do very, very abstract mm-hmm. videos. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's just interesting to see, you know, where music is going. I did see you like some on your Instagram. You had some uh, pictures of you on stages where you played shows. Do you want to talk about the shows yeah. you played in the last year? Yeah, sure. Um, so I did, you know, some mini concerts. I was just like an opener for just like mini concerts, uh, festivals, nothing too crazy. More street festivals, uh, cultural festivals, like um, Taste of Manila, um, and we have like, uh, you know, like the salsa on St. Clair. So just little festivals, um, where I'm asked to, I was asked to perform. So, um, that's always good, you know, um, representing culture and also being on stage, uh, in front of your city. So, you know, uh, it's always good to, uh, get your name out there like that. And also I'm just always pretty busy with weddings and, and, um, you know, I like to do like the the classical stuff um although i like i like to do those um because you know it it's uh it's also a way to display myself as a vocalist it doesn't really reflect me as an artist because my my music is completely different different than what i would sing like at a wedding obviously right but um but it still gets my name out there and i you know i enjoy it uh i meet tons of cool people uh so yeah that's that's uh, probably what you've been seeing on my Instagram. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's always good to live perform. I always like to do it. I mean, lately I've been focusing on recording, but I have been doing like Facebook Live because I have mm-hmm. like, the tools to, but be that's like, great. Yeah. to do the Facebook Live shows. And I've been pretty good. I mean, sometimes I get three, 4,000 people listening, you know, watching one of those, which for me is pretty good for my audience. <laughs> but um, Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of an indie kind of, you know, alternative kind of underground artist. Yeah, today. yeah. But when you see, you know, that's good for me when I see like 3K on, on a video I did live, you know, for my home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, like, that's well, awesome. That's, that's pretty awesome. good. Yeah, because yeah. I go to New York, I'll play a club and there's only like 300 people in the club. 
mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and I can reach like 3,000 on the net. So I can actually hit yeah. people. Yeah, it's amazing what you could do on the internet nowadays. Yeah, it's just the tools are just, you know, you can just use an iPhone on a tripod. I know, it's like crazy. With, with a mixer and I get a really good signal from all my gear. And, and people, yeah. people are surprised what you can do now. And you don't even have to be loud. I mean, my whole, I can do something at like 11 o'clock at night and nobody hears me. Yeah, And everything exactly. going through my mixer right into the phone. And yeah, so then it's, the, the, it's the limitations of having a band, you know, not be able to play. I'm always telling a lot of young bands, like, you know, you need to get some of these web tools and, and do like Facebook Live or do, um, you know, Instagram Live shots or YouTube Live performances because you can build your audience and keep on mm-hmm. giving them because it seems like the internet generation wants to keep on seeing content you know mm-hmm. you don't want to get on the treadmill but but they like to see like indie bands like like you know the kind of band that i am they, they like seeing a lot yeah. of content you know and so yeah. so if we put a lot of stuff out all the time it keeps our fan base happy For it sure. keeps our chops up you know <laughs> so you kind of can kind of you know keep your keep your ability going and keep your fans aware of what you're that you're out there yeah i think consistency is definitely key like yeah well for anything yeah yeah it's just cool like a lot of i see that there seems to be like an age of singles again um there's mm-hmm. a lot of people there a couple of years back you know it was a lot of you know, people were just exclusively doing a lot of singles but you know it seems because of spotify and uh, you know apple mm-hmm. music and title that you're a lot of a lot of artists are, are putting singles out consistently yeah. to have a, like a, have their their brand out there or their exactly you know, but then their albums might take a little longer to come out yeah i think i see that a lot but no definitely because you know even covers like you can redo a whole song and you know spotify apple music title all those places will will accept it as a submission as your own track and yeah. you know if you if you're not if you don't have any pr- projects in motion or if it's taken a while like it's always good to just do covers just to you know keep your audience yeah. interested or keep releasing things so yeah i like yeah, the I fact it's great. that lot, yeah the, the, that's been a really cool thing is they handle all the licensing now yeah, mm-hmm. i actually start getting into doing some obscure stuff from like bobby womack and glenn campbell Oh, oh <laughs> it's kind of weird. Like, like you think about it, like electronic artist covering like Glenn Campbell song, but yeah, but that's kind of like I like to be a little weird like that because mm-hmm. that's not something you would think you would do. No, uh, yeah, it's always good to be different. Yeah, you know? so it's like it's not something that's like I'm not doing the latest top ten hit cover. I'm going back to like 1968 <laughs> mm-hmm. and picking an old Glenn Campbell song or or Bobby Womack song or something like that. But um. But even like lately, I was working on a Smokey Robinson song in the Miracles. Um, I cool. Give her up um, or let her go. But it's an old song, the Miracles, that I just got keyed in on. I was listening to it over and over again. I'm like, and it wasn't a big hit, but it was a deeper track on a Miracles album, and I mm-hmm. just like fell in love with the song. Yeah. So it's, I, sometimes I was like, well, I, I think that would be a cool because you, nobody, everybody loves the miracles, but they know their hits. They know the right. Tracks, they don't but know. They don't know like, the deeper yeah. tracks. Exactly. And, and the deeper tracks to me sometimes are really interesting um, mm. because maybe they weren't as successful, but sometimes they have really good lyrical content and they're kind of deep. Yeah. And they just didn't make it, but yeah, I'm very interested in stuff like that. So. Yeah, I feel like decommercialized things like you'd be very pleasantly surprised like if you you know actually took a moment to yourself to really take in 
uh, what it, what they're saying or the vibe of the song. Because sometimes when things are over commercialized and thrown in your face, like you're almost forced to like it, you know. Yeah. But until but other things like underground stuff, you gotta kind of take a little bit more time to just sit on it on your own and not have other influences like be like this is what you should like kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think like difference. I think the top ten. I mean, it's cool to have the you know the Billboard top ten, top fifty. But a lot of cool stuff is happening at the bottom end of the chart. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, maybe it's not super popular, but that's where, you know, you know, kind of jazz and alternative and indie and old college radio, you know, that's where the REMs came from, you know. And REM was, yeah. was a college band and then it became super big, you know. Mm-hmm, you you too mm-hmm. was like a college band and they became super big. It's like sometimes something that's new that, you know, some companies, record companies, wouldn't even want to pick up REM. They said, "What the heck is that? They can't hear the singer." You know, that mm-hmm, was the big complaint mm-hmm. with REM. Is Michael Stipe, you couldn't hear what he was saying mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in their initial REM albums. You could not even really understand what he was saying, but it was very <laughs> melodic. Yeah, and it was really cool. And it was actually, yeah. there are some people that said like the REM where you couldn't understand them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because exactly. it had this kind of vibe to it, mm-hmm. and you could imagine what he was saying. And there was mm-hmm, a lot of fans mm-hmm. of REM that actually liked it when you couldn't really understand them. Understand. Because you yeah. could kind of decide what you thought he was saying. Right. <laughs> Compared to like where he became more clear what he was saying. There was some people like, you know, I like the old REM. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because it gives you room for interpretation, right? Yeah. I think that's this, what people yeah, like. I think people like that kind of open interpretation of an of a mm-hmm. artist where sometimes like if you listen to the punk rockers, and the Ramones and you know bands like that. Sometimes you won't, you might not know what they're exactly saying, but you picked up the vibe that's mm-hmm. powerful. It makes you feel a certain way. Yeah, it so makes now, you, yeah, it makes whatever you're feeling in your experience in your life, you'll apply whatever it is that you want to apply to that song. Yeah, and the punk aesthetic was that you know you didn't have to be a great singer. So yeah, Joey, exactly. Joey Ramone was just kind of singing his heart out. You know, Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols, they were singing whatever they're singing, but it was the energy behind it. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and exactly. it made a lot of people feel that they could be musicians. And, it, you know, mm-hmm. you get bands like Green Day, you get people who felt, you know, okay, I got inspired by the class, I got inspired by that, so I'm going to go and do it. And, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and they felt like they could, you know, instead of feeling like there was a point where, you know, musicians were so good. We had like Yes, and you had like Eric Clapton, and you had like Jimmy Page, and mm-hmm. there were kids like, I can never match Jimmy Page, so why should I even try? Right. Yeah, for but sure. But when you hear like the Clash or the Sex Pistols, then kids were like, "You're oh, like, oh, okay, maybe I could do that." Yeah, you know. Yeah, and then you got sure. a whole generation of bands that got created because they didn't feel intimidated. Yeah, that they couldn't even get in the gear, you know, get in the game. Yeah, but that's just the thing, you know. I mean, like, not everyone is a Celine Dion or you know a Christina Aguilera when it comes yeah. to vocal vocals. But that doesn't mean that you can't be an artist and you can't be great at what you do. There's so many, uh, you know. There's there's different ranges. There's different ways to express yourself, and I think that that that's what makes you an artist. If you're able to make someone feel a certain way and relay a message, I think that you you're you're doing your job, you know, as an artist. Yeah, I think that's what keeps like that's what makes somebody you know want to be an artist that they feel they have something to say, mm-hmm. and they believe in themselves enough that they know they might not be like you know Smokey Robinson. They might not be Celine. Dion, exactly, but they feel like they have an artistic point of view of, or, or an artistic vision. They want the world to, to see or hear mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they go and they do it. 
And, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's really cool. And I think a lot of kids shouldn't let, you know, popularity of things drive whether or not they feel they're 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 great you know if you have yeah. vision as an artist you should try you should try to do it until you feel like well, okay i'm not doing it but um yeah i'm always encouraging people who are artistic like don't let <laughs> people um like keep you from no you to... do you you know spread yeah. your wings fly experiments like that's the whole point of being an artist you know it's like it's like the painter you know like sometimes it's good to be messy you know you could create something that you never even would have known was possible if you followed within the lines so yeah yeah because yeah, like a lot of people will tell you what's right and what's wrong musically and you know if people like if Hendrix listened to people telling him they couldn't do feedback we wouldn't have never mm-hmm. got what we got you know yeah you know so exactly sometimes when you're cutting on the edge there are gonna be people that that say oh that's not right but if you, you have your artistic integrity and you believe in what you're doing, you're just going to keep on going that way. And then eventually the world sometimes catches up to where you are. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, with, with the innovative artists, they have, they're always got to push because people always going to try to tell them, like, they can't do this, they can't do that. And then, you know, eventually you get, you know, like the whole story with like Prince and like when Doug mm-hmm. yeah. doesn't have yeah, a bass exactly. Warners didn't yeah. want to put it out without a baseline. He stuck mm-hmm. to his guns. And say it doesn't need a baseline. Mm-hmm. And then you get, you know, you don't get pushed, you know, as mm-hmm. an artist, you push back and say, hey, you know, same thing happened with, yeah. with Kiss. They said it sounded like a demo. Mm-hmm. Well, it was, but it sounded good. Yeah. <laughs> you got to yeah. be like, believe in what you're doing and say, you know, I want it to sound like that. And then it doesn't sound like anything else. So it's like, I think that's like the hallmark that like the artists that really push everything forward are the ones that say, you know what, I'm going to do it because I believe in it. Um, yeah exactly exactly you like to see people trying to push that way yeah and i think that's like the fine line between being a sellout and then just being you know you and an independent artist yeah definitely because you'll get a lot of people that'll want to make a clone you know and maybe you can sing exactly like beyonce but what's the point of having 10 beyonce's if you can't show your individuality you know It, it would be better if you show that you have some individuality that makes you different than Beyonce, then to say you could be a perfect Beyonce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because then that's how you got, you know, back even back in the day. I mean, the monkeys were kind of a clone of the Beatles. Um, But then they kind of went their own way. Um, And they actually became a little bit more independent. But initially they were kind of a clone. And so, yeah, there's always the tendency to try to clone things you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, yeah and we don't need more of that we need more of individuality and you know uniqueness yeah because i think the market gets over overburdened with a lot of clones just because mm-hmm. people want to you know jump on the hit um yeah but, exactly yeah you want to when the innovation is what people really want to hear you know and, and mm-hmm. i think that was the big thing back in the day when i was in the 80s you know was the innovation that you would see with a lot of the bands in new wave there was mm-hmm. a lot of really cool stuff happening um, from Gary Newman, you know, to like bands like Joy Division and the Duran Duran and the Flocks of Seagulls and, you know, Talking Heads. You had, you had a lot of bands that were really different. You know, the, the, you, you couldn't say Gary Newman and Flocks of Seagulls or Joy Division. They didn't sound like each other. They're all like, mm-hmm. very, very unique. Um, and I kind of miss that sometimes. <laughs> I find it yeah. like, on, on SoundCloud. I'll, I'll go mm-hmm. and listen to where all the a lot of new artists are, and, and there's a lot of cool stuff happening, but they're not getting picked up. Um, 
you know, but sometimes, you know, you get a YouTube artist that does get picked up that's pushing it. But yeah, there is a tendency to just put out people who are doing the same thing. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, that... So that's definitely been um, one of my challenges to find who I am because it's, it's easy to be influenced by other people, especially when, you know, something gets so catchy or, you know, you're writing songs and then you're like kind of writing a melody and you're like, wait a minute this is is this similar to something I've heard before but I think that over the past year I've definitely been um, perfecting me and just being me yeah, at the end of the day the, you just got to be yourself yeah because the singer songwriter like vibe you're talking about like I'm real excited to see where you go on your next project and I know you've been talking about that Thanks. last time we talked yeah mm-hmm. and, I, and I've always been very key on singer songwriters I always feel yeah. that they, they they always you know are the ones that really push everything in music to me because because that's when you get the full vision of what somebody has got you know going on as an artist and you know there was a day you know back in the day you had singers that were perfect singers in the 50s yeah and yeah. Would, it was a have, lot simpler there though then yeah, you have tim pan alley i mean you have all these like great writers like carol king and neil diamond writing everything you know but mm-hmm. uh, but you know the singer songwriter era you know, produced like a different point of view in songs, you know, but songs became more confessional, became more personal, started mm-hmm. to say things because, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the songwriters that were writing the songs in the 50s just kept on writing, you know, things that weren't really saying anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, but, you know, and then when you get to the 60s and 70s, you start, you know, seeing tapestry, you see, you know, mm-hmm. you see all this depth that had been kind of suppressed finally mm-hmm. started coming mm-hmm. out and mm-hmm. you know i think that that's always been a big appeal to me is like the singer songwriters bring that out um so you get to you get to see who they are you get to see what what their point of view is you know different mm-hmm. than what what's normal so i'm very excited to see what you're gonna be thank doing. you yeah i appreciate that i am excited too so uh i guess i'll uh keep you posted and and let the viewers know when the release will be coming up yeah we definitely can Again, when you have your album ready, we could do like a, a talk about it, you know, cool. ahead of it or like in the middle of it or when it comes out. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think uh, well, we'll put out the promotion for, for your current uh, signal, uh, No More Tears, and the video. Sure, yeah. Uh, this will put the links on it and this will get pushed out and I'll send you the links. And uh, yeah, I enjoyed talking to you again. I'm glad to awesome. have you on. Yeah, Anchor. likewise. Mm-hmm. And Always just a pleasure. Little, Thank you so much. One little footnote for everybody, like Anchor FM does allow us to have subscribers. So people who like what we're doing can actually subscribe on the Anchor FM version of this podcast. People can subscribe at different levels. And uh, it will help us uh, continue to interview artists from around the world. You know, that's just something that if you if you like what we're doing, you can you can support us. Yeah, definitely. Um, So we could hear more stories and more experiences from around the world. So. Yeah, we appreciate well, thank that. Thank you for joining us again, and we look forward to all the things, all the projects you're working on. And, thank you, uh, thank you for having any me. Performances you do, let us know. We'll push them out on our social media. And uh, cool. yeah, thank thank you for talking to us. It was Christina yeah. Passion. And thank uh, you. Have a great night. You look too. Forward to talking to you again. Likewise. Bye. Bye.